Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty on Licking Non-Vanilla with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. Hey, everybody. This is Ralph Greco Jr. from the wilds of somewhere in suburban New Jersey. <laughs> I am the co-host of Licking Non-Vanilla with the other co-hosts because you can't be a co-host <laughs> without another host. Anyway, across the aisle from me is... Uh, Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian from the green pa pastoral landscape that is Eugene, Oregon. A little hot though there, huh? Right now? It's a little warm. Yeah, it's like, of course, you can't really talk about the weather because someone is like from Arizona or something like that. It's like, you think it's hot? Well, it's yeah, warm from here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was talking to somebody in Las Vegas the other day. They were like, yeah, 109. I'm like, I'm like you got to oh. be kidding me, man. Oh, I'm, shoot me. I, I just my, couldn't my... deal with that. Yeah, my brain would just melt. You know, just, just oh, no absolutely. Way. You know, absolutely. I just turned into a, a puddle. Yeah, it's just you know. I mean, it, and we, you know, we've because at this point with this show, this is this will be, uh, I guess, episode ten when it goes up. We have a we have a good range of downloads now across the world. So mm -hmm. it's not just in this country, and I'm very proud to say that. But That's and I'm not doing that. I'm not. Yeah, it's wonderful. But I'm not. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that to. To illustrate the point that there's got to be weather that we don't even expect or even know about ever somewhere else, mm -hmm. you know, weather extremes of weather and just you know. So wherever you happen to be, I hope you're comfortable at least. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And now yeah. with climate change, it's getting worse. So it's like yeah. you know, places where it used to be not cold, it's getting cold. People, people, places where it's been hot, are getting really hot. So it's like, ew. Yeah, just just something. So I guess today we were gonna because, like I said again, we we've had um some great guests over the last uh, couple episodes. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let, you know, I felt like maybe the both of us felt maybe it was a good idea just for you and I just to get on the jaw a bit. Like we, you sure. know, like old school, you know, always and, uh, game. Yeah. Just bend their bat, it, bat it back and forth. Um, and I think because of what's been happening recently with us, uh, we've had a couple of uh, publishing things go by in mm -hmm. good ways. Not, uh, and, uh, <laughs> And I think we, we maybe we should just discuss that a little bit in detail about, you know, what we're doing publishing wise and what somebody could be doing publishing. We, we, br we brushed over that for a while. And we do know this show is about more than just erotic writing, but um, it is about erotic writing sometimes. <laughs> so uh, let's just talk a little bit. You just you just put out something, a new book, right? Yep. OK. <laughs> and you, and you Actually, went with a. You went with one of our, our good friends and old-time publishers for this mm -hmm. book, right? Exactly. Yep. Uh, the other book's called Horror Sexual. It's a collection of my my gay male erotic scary stories. So it's okay. kind of a, you know, a little bit of a niche there. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it, was, it was pretty easy to put together. I mean, that's one thing about collections. I mean, it's like, I mean, as you know, it's just simply like pick your favorite stories, put it in there, write an introduction, bang, you're ready to go. Um, you know, not that it isn't tremendously easy but yeah i went with um our friend Jean marie stein who's the uh, publisher of sizzler editions and yes. we both worked with her for many years oh a long time yeah long time and yeah are you, are you there you dropped out there oh yeah, i'm here okay <laughs> yeah no i i i no, and she's you know we love Jean marie and and we we're we're looking to publish something with her soon. The both of us actually would it be? Oh, absolutely! Our, In fact, our, we're we're working on a book right now. The title is still being worked out, but it's basically you and I, some of our sex ed articles, um, you know, kind of like put together, which you did a wonderful job with, especially, and you know, with like various interviews throughout the book as well. So it, I'm looking forward to it. It's pretty much ready to go. I'm I'm going to send it over to Gene probably in the next week or two. Cool, cool. But what Chris is talking about here is that Jimmy is an ebook publisher. First of all, I mean, you mm -hmm. can we can get and we have gotten our books printed for events. But she's mm -hmm. she's a prominent and well, you know, she's a prominent uh, ebook publisher. And uh, mm -hmm. and Chris went ahead and and published. But 
nowadays, as we will both know, Chris, and people listening to this podcast, even if they're not published authors, probably know that um, or sense that you could do it yourself, so to speak, on mm -hmm. Amazon if you want to. And uh, and that's not something that we, we I've done a little bit. I don't know about you if you've ever put anything up on Amazon just yourself, but um, could we, let's speak a little bit about the good and the bad there, about all that, if there is a good and a bad. Oh, I think it definitely is. I mean, you know, it's you're right. It's like I I haven't done myself mainly because I you know it's hard enough to public you know do the work just doing publicity, um, but I am thinking about doing a couple of just sort of experimentals just because we kind of fun to see how that works. Um, but yeah, it's it's gotten easier than ever to you know self publish. I mean, it used to be much trickier. Now it's you know Amazon basically you know you know makes it you know like a, a streamlined process. Really? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah, but but within there, we, and we've we've talked about this on the show before. We've talked about this live uh, when we're live and in person, as opposed to dead and in person. Um, <laughs> but we've talked about the, the 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 pitfalls of the Amazon paradigm and how Amazon mm -hmm. has undercut people like Jimmy in a way. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the problem. It's like you know, it it it's funny. It's like over the like just only a couple of decades. It went from the old school model where you wrote a book, you sent it to a publisher, and they put it out. And there were self-publishing presses, but they really charged a ton, and they were really kind of sleazy. Um, but then Amazon kicked in, eBooks kicked in, and now it's not it's not the um, getting published that's tricky. That's actually spectacularly easy. It's getting noticed is yeah, the hard right. part because so many people are writing books and putting them up. You know the game has completely changed right well this it's the same with the music business there's a lot of stuff out mm -hmm. there and mm -hmm. like you said rising above the, the the din you know um and you know i can't speak for you chris but i can certainly speak for my laziness and uh, and i'm i'm <laughs> i'm real good at not wanting to do much more than just write mm -hmm. and so it's 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 heavy lifting for me to do beyond much more not because i think i'm a prima donna and i don't want to get involved i just i know there are people that do the the, the copywriting and the you know and the covers and the marketing better than i ever would so mm -hmm. i i like to have a machine behind me and I, I just sent out two different books recently um to different two different publishers i've never worked before giving it a shot and they're both collections you know cool. like you were saying that's wonderful but but who knows i don't know if they'll be accepted and it's just in that theory that that Jimmy used to tell us anyway. She used to because we would go to Jimmy with a book sometimes, and she wasn't in the, she just wasn't ready to publish one or what for a multitude of reasons. And she would she would certainly uh, prompt both of us to go to other houses. Mm -hmm. Not that she doesn't want our work, and she, she almost takes our work in you know um, sight unseen. But she was always about spread yourself as far as possible. You know, mm -hmm. so that was my theory. My theory is, well, I'm going to give this one to this publisher, and um, and therein lies another story. I'll get into it in a second, but um, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if they'll be accepted. I'm waiting now, mm -hmm. and if they're not accepted, do I switch the books and send one to the other, or do I put it out myself? I mean, there, I don't know. And and we're talking about here, kids, erotica. That's what we're talking about here mm -hmm. right now, and it's it's you know, it's a niche world. You know, exactly. You're completely right. That's one thing I really admire about Gene for a lot of reasons is, you know, sometimes I, you know, we both worked with publishers, you know, before that have been kind of like, you know, didn't really understand how the game worked. So they would, you know, I remember one time I worked with one and they, they wanted me never to publish anybody else again. It's like, screw that. Right. Um, first of all, first of all, like you, I write all kinds of stuff and they only published one kind of book. So it's like, that made no sense. Yeah, and like Gene likes to say, it's like, it's it's yeah it's just it's like it's seriously it's like wanting to like grab him by the shoulders and go are you serious um right. but you know like gene has an excellent point that you know if you have a book with her and you have a book with somebody else the publicity that that other publisher does will help her book sales because it gets your name out there which yeah. i thought was just really very intelligent um so i always really admired her about that um but yeah it's just like you know that, that's why it's like i always tell people it's like be very careful about like what a publisher wants from you in regards to like your work if they just want it like you know only you only write for them if they're upset with you writing for somebody else that's not really cool 
Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, it's feast or famine out here. We're we're, we're doing our best mm -hmm. to spread ourselves in a, a million different ways over a, a lot of different things and that work synergistically. And then, you know, somebody will say to you, well, you know, that's exclusive and you can't. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't mind selling the book. The book's yours. But beyond that, mm -hmm. I got to be able to write, you know, for, for my for my daily bread in the only way I can. Mm -hmm. And it seems uh, and, and to be so, you know, to be to be just, just you're like circling the airport where this is my territory. I don't want anybody else to touch it. Mm -hmm. Seems kind of crazy, too. And because I, and this is why I told you about this. What happened to me was in one of those instances, the second publisher I sent to, I only came across that publisher because a friend of ours, uh, their press was bought by this bigger publisher. Mm -hmm. And this is somebody we worked with before. I won't say the name because I don't know if they want us to. Nope, nope, nothing <laughs> bad. And this one house was an erotica publisher, very specific stuff. And uh, we both have worked with her and the and the and this house before. Anyway, so I wrote mm -hmm. this new publisher because I I got I just got hip to them because of the that they had bought this other place this other place, and this mm -hmm. the either the CEO the acquisition editor I don't know who she is she wrote me back and said oh yeah I've met you and I know you through and she knew me through this other lady. So, and then you subsequently told me I met her. And I don't remember meeting her, but, um, <laughs> but the funny thing about all that is, is, you know, that's the, that's the, the classic case of what we talk about, about not burning a bridge, because if I had been, you know, less than my wonderful stellar selves to the one <laughs> publisher who this lady had bought, you know, mm -hmm. the word got, would have gotten around when, when my name came up somehow, you know, when I sent something recently. Or if I had, when I met this woman who I don't remember meeting, if I had been a jerk, which, you know, we are never jerks, even when mm -hmm. we're in a bad mood, we're never jerks in public. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it would have, it would not have served me either because mm -hmm. it really is a small world, really, mm -hmm. especially what we do is a really small grouping of people, Oh yeah, you know, and uh, you, you put so, it perfectly as always. It's like, you know. It's it's like it's a very small pool, and you don't want to piss off people. I mean, yeah, you should stand up for yourself, but you know, there's there's good ways of doing that while still maintaining a good relationship. And if you yeah, yeah. turn into a prima donna or an arrogant twit, it's like you know, it's going to haunt you. And 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 that's that's what happens with you and I all the time because we 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 hip each other to to jobs and publishers and mm -hmm. contacts all the time that. Mm -hmm. And and that that's what you know that that's how and we'll, we'll get into one in a minute. But um, if if we if we didn't keep a relatively good relationship with people, I couldn't recommend you, and you couldn't recommend me, because it would mm -hmm. just be guilt by association, you know. Absolutely. And uh, it's good we don't do that. But I I don't see and in this day and age, being able to find someone or the, and or their reputation very quickly, it's very dangerous to burn a bridge, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, again, and you know, that's something that a lot of people when they first get into publishing, make the mistake of it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of a tightrope walk. Because if you're frustrated with your publisher, you definitely don't want to be vocal about that. You know, I mean, it's very tempting. Yeah. A lot of people are very tempted to get on social media and bitch about their publisher. And it's a big mistake unless they're yeah. like really ripping you off and you want to warn other people not to work with them. Right. But things right. like you didn't like the cover or you think they didn't do enough publicity, you know, not only would that publisher get cheesed off, but other publishers notice that and don't want to work with you because they think you're going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's one thing I hate to say it, but, you know, it's, it's really important to realize that you aren't the genius you think you are sometimes yeah, yeah. and there's somebody yeah. right behind you who does just as adequate work but is not a pain in the ass <laughs> well i mean what, what they used to say that all the time about band members like like half half of the half of the, the gig is showing up and showing up on time and, and having your instrumented tune you know like there's exactly. always somebody ready to, to jump mm -hmm. in there and and you you know you hear of stories all the time where an actor took over that role because of one mm -hmm. guy i mean you, if you if you're so thick skinned where well i don't want to be second choice or they're just picking me now because it's i mean then you're never you know you're just not that's just that doesn't serve you in any kind of way you just have to no. if the opportunity presents itself for whatever reason take it you know 
Absolutely. And you're so right. I mean, I mean, there's so many stories of musicians who, you know, this guy was, you know, a prima donna or was right. passed out in his, you know, in his room and right. that person took the stage and right. guess what? A career is launched. <laughs> right. And that happens all the time. And, he, you know, it's one of those. Yeah, I think it, I think, you know, you got to do it. Remember, like in, in the movie Roadhouse of Patrick Swayze, he told the uh, <laughs> he told the bouncers be nice. <laughs> like, there's, mm -hmm. like, I just like even if you got to put a face on it a public face on it and you feel otherwise and you and I can bitch mm -hmm. to each other because we can, nobody hears us bitching. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and we have, you and I have had those long discussions, whether that we're sitting in the airport lounge or we're, we're, you know, we're on the phone or wherever we are, we've had those discussions where, no, I'm not working with him or her again. And you were agreeing or you you're giving me your story or whatever, mm -hmm. but this doesn't go beyond there. Like we dish to each other, but mm -hmm. in public, if somebody asks us about somebody and we've been in public, when we've encountered that person <laughs> and, and we're both very nice all the time. Right. We're like, mm -hmm. yeah, how you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I'm not saying these, those people have been nice back to us mm -hmm. and usually they haven't been, <laughs> but, but Absolutely. I, we're always nice. We're always like, yeah, good to see you. Like mm -hmm. always like at least giving, giving somebody a, one of those sidelong kisses, you know, and like, you know, mm -hmm. fake hugs or whatever, a fist pump. But we're always like halfway there, you know. <laughs> and and you know that's that's so important. I think too, it's like you know to find if you're a writer, you know, or a creative person in any way, find a a group you can talk to and share things with, you know, like we do. Because yeah, you know, a lot of times you don't know what's going on. Like I just talked to a friend of mine who was very was very depressed over getting rejected. And I finally wheedled it out of her who this editor was. Yeah. And, you know, I felt a little guilty about it, but I told her of my experiences with this editor that they're really hard to work with. They, they you know, are very frustrating. They'll, you know, ask for stories and then not take them, all this kind yeah. of stuff. And, you know, I hope I made her feel better at the end of this. But it kind of, again, it's like you can't confront a person about that directly. But if you have good buddies like you are, you know, mine, and right. hopefully I am for you, um, you can actually do that. It's like you can sort of say, hey, I, you know, is this person a good person to work with? And then we can be honest with each other. Because, right. you know, you know, you look at social media and everyone thinks everybody's fantastic. That's because it's, that's kind of the way the game's played. <laughs> right. Or uh, the reverse is true. People are shooting off their mouth before they even count in a 10. Yes. Which, you know, I'm just like, I think that's really dangerous, you know, because mm -hmm. I've been, a, I've, I've been affronted. So I'm going to go on social media and tweet and twat and Instagram and all over the world where, you know, first of all, the world's not around about you. And second of mm -hmm. all, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're throwing out a flamethrower here and you're going to, you're going to burn a lot of bridges, you know, mm -hmm. and just don't mm -hmm. just simply, Choose not to work with that person again. We, you and I do this all the time. Mm -hmm. We've come to those conclusions many a times where we're like, mm, probably not going to go there ever again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just didn't work for you. It didn't work for me. Or you, it's a cautionary tale and you find it different than, than there are those instances too. We, we have encountered people and we find them different for each of us, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, there's no, you know, there's no rhyme or reason. Now there is one wonderful person we came across recently and, uh, you were on a show, and so was I. And uh, at mm -hmm. the moment, she's playing um, uh, a little teaser reel of looking on Vanilla on her show, on her podcast. Cool. So I'm talking about Lori Beth Bisbee. And she has a – let me tell you the name of the show. You know that it's the name of the show, but I'm going to say it for our listeners. <laughs> um, it's called Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library Podcasts. Um, she's on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. And you were on the show. You were interviewed and you read a story. Mm hmm And it was uh, fun. Exactly. It was it was a very fun experience. I don't right. like reading necessarily, but that yeah, was actually either. went, I think, fairly well. <laughs> you know what? She caught me off guard when I was on the show and, and I have it hasn't been aired yet. It will be. Um yours has been aired, I believe. And she caught me off guard because she's like, Oh, so you're ready to read something first today? And I went, I was not ready. So <laughs> we just, we just we just bullshitted for the for the hour, a half an hour, whatever it was. But let me tell you where you can find her, and then I'm going to play you a clip of you actually on the show. Um, we're oh, in, sweet. In the Thank you. Of our thing right here. But anyway, you can find um, – let me give you the place you can find her. You can find her at uh, Dr. – that's D-R, Lori, L-O-R-I, Beth, B-E-T-H, B-I-S-B-E-Y dot press. Also at uh, 
the same URL.com. And then she has a patron page, which is uh, patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com uh, slash uh, backslash or forward, forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. Um, and she she loves to showcase erotica and erotic writers and uh, anybody that of a BD, BD, BDSM fetish, fetish fantasy sci-fi bent. Um, and, um, you know, she's just she's into a lot of cool stuff and lot, into a lot of cool bands because we talked about a lot of cool bands when, when I was on her show. And uh, I'm going to play we're going to play right now this little snippet. It's only I think it's about a minute long. And then we'll come right back. So here it is, Chris. Let's let's play for everybody. Have them listen to it. <laughs> Get comfortable and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. So what are you going to read for us today? A story is called Preta Forte. She had to give him that. The salesman was good. Damned good. Always reserved, if not eyes lower shyness. Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. Okay, we're back. And uh, you're listening to Licking Non Vanilla with me, Ralph Greco Jr. And across the aisle is... Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian. And that was Chris you just heard on uh, Lori Beth Bisbee's uh, little snippet from her show which is called Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library Podcast. And we thank her so much for sending that little snippet in, and she's playing our little snippet. It's nice to get your snippets out there, Chris. <laughs> you know, it's nice It's nice when you share, share snippets with people, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I was talking to, I told you before, when we started the show, I was talking to a friend of mine in Las Vegas, and uh, I don't know how we got on the subject. We got on the subject of kink as it exists in different countries. And um, I, I seem to notice, as in very, very, in my in my small experience with kink in other countries, and I only know that other than maybe because I worked for a German publisher when we put out von Gutenberg, the latex magazine, and this woman was talking about Germany and the and kink, the kink scene in Germany as opposed to the UK and and you know anime in in the Orient and all that kind of stuff. So, and I know kink is different from city to city. Uh, what What's your finding or what's your thoughts about kink as it exists and the differences from city to, to from country to country, if you've seen the differences? You know, it's like, it used to be really kind of delineated. I mean, I remember reading a, um, a book on early erotic cinema. Okay. And it, it mentioned things like, I mean, we're talking about like the age of the smokers, which are these like, what was it, like eight millimeter films? And yeah. that was the only thing you could really get as far as like moving picture erotica. I mean, yeah. of course, this is before VHS internet or anything. And, you know, they, the book had talked about that you looking at like films produced in certain areas had certain kinks. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was corporal punishment. BDSM was very popular in Great Britain. Right, right. Um, I've heard in that. Italy and Spain, porn featuring nuns and priests was very common. Makes sense, right? Um, because of the the, the 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 strength of the of the Catholic Church in those areas, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and I can't remember offhand what the others were, but of course, I, you know, now we have the age of the internet. This has all kind of gotten a little blurry. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so it's like everything is kind of popular all over the place. So I'd be very curious to see if that actually has changed. Um, I don't know, like, for instance, you know, certain countries handle, you know, certain kinds of erotica better than others. You know I mean, like, you know, certain countries are more conservative or they're, you know, they're they're more reserved. So, you know, things are a little bit more underground, which can make mm -hmm. things even more spicy. Other places are more open. So right. you kind of lose that edge a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it's like I do know some weird things like, for instance, um, now this is maybe apocryphal and I apologize if it is, but I did read like, for instance, you know, like, you know, hentai, which is not really the right word for it, but we're going to use it anyway, yeah. which is explicit, you know, you know, uh, imagery and stuff from Japan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a very common trope to have tentacles, right? Yeah. And right. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny because it's like the story I heard was that, you know, even though there is kind of a history of, you know, you know, tentacle porn, you know, going back from, you know, long time ago, like the Edo period. I think there's a famous one by Hakusai that shows a woman being ravaged by an octopus. Mm. But 
primarily the reason why it became so popular was because the Japanese um, anti-pornography you know, laws were very explicit, that they said you can't show, like, you know, penis sex. Yeah. So what do you do if you can't show penis sex? Well, yeah, so somebody that represents it. Tentacles. <laughs> yeah, 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 that makes sense. That makes sense. So I always think that was kind of fascinating. It's like how this kind of like subgenre of erotica like came about because of the laws involving, you know, porn and such. I think it's gotten eased up over the years now. So it's like, well, you know, tentacle porn still exists. It's not quite so, um, you know, prevalent. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's interesting because with this, this woman that I was talking to, she said to me, like she, in her studies, and she's a sexologist, so she studied, you know, quite a bit of stuff. And she said in her study, she's she's noticed in Japan, a lot of um, a, a lot of you know a, a lot of imagery, not even not even pornographic imagery, a lot of imagery of 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 uh, of, of an, an infantile nature, like um, you know the Hello Kitty, or, or the mm -hmm. uh, or the like the little the little funny little furry animal on on the on the you know on the on the on the traffic sign. You know, there, there was a mm -hmm. lot, you know, she seemed, and, and if you look at a lot of the, I guess it is the hentai, um, a lot of the, a lot of the anime characters in, the, in their erotica are, are very, very, um, are either, they have that kind of schoolgirl edge to it, or they're almost, the faces on, on the men and the women are very elfin and very, you know, it's very, everybody's almost, I mean, you know, they're, there's a fine there's a there's a line between they play a lot with gender and it seems mm -hmm. and i don't and again i don't know why that exists there as opposed to somewhere else and you know i mean I, I can understand there's a certain uh stereotypical vibe to and you know we saw this with within um with with liza minnelli in, in uh cabaret you know that you know the mm -hmm. the you know the berlin era uh openness of of, of germany and and the, the uniform idea you know because of 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 their their background and you know that their history mm -hmm. and and then you know you've heard about like the in english vice which is you know supposedly court for punishment in in england mm -hmm. you know so there are some tropes that probably are stereotypical in a way like like you said they they've fallen by the wayside now you know mm -hmm. but but in america i'm thinking and i'm 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 just totally spitballing this I'm thinking, do you think the difference in kinks, if there are any, and if, and again, this, it may all be fallen by the wayside now, but um, exists city to city as opposed, you know, we're, we're, we're the size of uh, uh, many countries on Europe. So do you think because of that, we have more of a delineated delineation uh, from city to city? So where New York is more this way, San Francisco is more this way. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just asking. I would I would pretty much say so because a lot of I mean you know back 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 to your question about the hentai really quickly. Um, one thing I also you know want to chirp in with is just that I mean it's we're it's definitely it's very cultural. There's very you know there's very delineations about what is considered sexy and what isn't and yeah. and permissiveness and so forth. And one thing I've always kind of remembered and again I apologize I'm not a Japanese expert but this is something yeah. I had heard is that sometimes the Japanese particularly get really weird and explicit and I, I'm sorry for that sounds judgmental but you know, a lot of because you know, it, for a long time, I think it's pretty much true the same today. There's this delineation between fantasy and reality in Japan. So it's like, you know, something that there we in the United States or other countries as well. We like to almost kind of like want to make our fantasies a reality, but in Japanese society, that doesn't exist. It's like that is fantasy, that is reality. The two yeah. don't mix. So right. one can be very wild because there's no expectation of becoming real. Right. In our country, when we look at something, we almost kind of like wish it would happen, which also explains why people can get so hysterical around, you know, certain kinds of erotica. They think it's like that's sort of an invitation to this actually become a real thing. Yes. But, yes, yeah, back to your question. It's like um, I definitely think that, um, you know, certain cities have different breakdowns. I mean, if you look at, for instance, San Francisco, which, you I mean, I think it's it's losing that demographic because of the whole, you know, cost of living that is there now but yeah. for the longest time I had a very large you know queer population so naturally that kind of you know thing will generate and you know will attract that certain kind of you know adult mm -hmm. material um the same way i've heard that um 
kind of extreme porn shows up a lot in the red belt states or in down south, you know, which is, I think, really kind of weird. Um, in fact, I heard that, and again, I apologize, I should have uh, sources available, was mm -hmm. that, you know, in conservative states, red states, yeah. consume a lot more explicit material than other states, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, I'm not too sure why. I mean, I think part of it is that kind of like, you know, you know, don't, you know, saying but not doing kind of the thing. Repression. And, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think also it's like some other countries that are more accepting of, you know, sexuality, it just becomes part of the background. It's not exactly like a big deal. Um, if you look at like, you know, sex work in Europe in certain cities, it's just there's the red light district and that's been there forever. And yeah, yeah, that's just sure. part of life is to have a red light district. Other countries are like, no, no sex work. So right. sometimes that kind of forbidden aspect will actually make it more alluring, you know, and generate more interest versus where it's just simply just part of the landscape. Yeah, I, I just I mean, and certainly we you and I you've traveled more than I have, but I we certainly have been all over the world. So I don't I don't and I haven't partaken or partooken of, <laughs> you know, of, of erotica, porn, kink, you know, you know, really beyond the borders of my own mind. But um, <laughs> I guess, you know, there, there was a time where printed material was harder, was, was, was the, was the only thing you were getting coming in. And now it's people who don't, you know, who don't really know the world before the internet. There were, there were magazines specific if you had I me, mean, there was there was a million different magazines for whatever your your little particular want was, and uh, and and so and they were published sometimes. Like I remember specifically in Germany, there was a lot of uh, a lot of cosplay, a lot of latex published in that in Germany. Yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of corporal and you know uniform you know, uh, governess kind of things coming out of England and, you know, and the leather scene. I mean, you and I were actually together in San Francisco once we went to, I think it was, it, I don't know the story. Was it Mr. Leather that we went to? We went oh, to yes. A, uh, Mr. S. Mr. S. And and that was a pretty hardcore, I mean, it wasn't, it was predominantly gay male, I would, I would, I'd say. Yep. Yeah. And that was relatively hardcore as far as the scene goes. Um, and it was what either right or wrong I expected in San Francisco at that point, um, mm -hmm. to see, you know, to see that kind of hardcore stuff there. And you and I, of course, we, we also, uh, because of where we met initially, we talked about this before. One of the trips there was to the, was the kink.com's armory where they have all their, mm -hmm. their filming and stuff. And that was this huge space in San Francisco. That was a kink space. So you're, you're mm -hmm. not going to get any more down in the middle of a city, you know, tried and true, you know, fetish than that place, you know. So I would say at one point, San Francisco probably was quite the mecca for the leather scene, the gay male scene, and, I, and for sure, and certainly uh, the kink scene. But again, mm -hmm. uh, and New York too, but not, I, New York, you know, I come from the New York area, so I've been in clubs in New York, but nowhere near nowhere near what you guys had in San Francisco. And that was, and I was, I got into it and I saw that later. You were in the, you kind of, you know, you were there earlier than I was. So it, the scene must have been sparkling there at one point. Oh yeah. I mean, it's once again, it's like, I mean, New York's always been kind of the porn capital of the world, but I think it right. shifted for a while to San Francisco and then it shifted. And part of the reason why it shifted from San Francisco, from what I've heard was a couple of reasons. One of them, which was that they passed an ordinance that, you know, um, it was mandatory for sex you know, people in adult films had to wear condoms. Now that also could have just been an excuse because, um, but anyway, I heard that was one of the, one of the factors, but okay. also it just, it got expensive in San Francisco. I mean, it's just, yeah. it became very, very prohibitive price and that moved, I think to Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, now with pod, you know, with at home stuff and amateur stuff, you can do it anywhere. But right. yeah, it's like during that heyday, that was just like, it was, it was bonkers. I mean, um, in fact, I was just, I was just reminiscing with my friend, Dr. Amy Marsh, that we had both been in the city around that time and, you know, how it was like this, you know, and we're talking about early nineties, late eighties. And, you know, even though it was a time of, you know, great deal of anxiety because of the HIV and AIDS crisis, 
it was still like there was like parties every night and there was like you know places like mr s and mm -hmm. you know, image leather and stormy leather and so forth that you could you know get all your kink on and you know, um, I was part of the Society of Janus group there for, you know, a number of years. And it's a very, you know, very taught famous classes group, and yeah. hung out with them and such. But yeah, it's just like, it was just, it's interesting too how like certain cities and times will, will change. Like you mentioned like Berlin between the wars was a famously, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know, wonderfully decadent, you know, time. And there's other places as well. And sometimes the pendulum swings the way and, Unfortunately, San Francisco is no longer that. I mean, there's still places you can go. There's still like Wicked Grounds. There's um, the Citadel. There's Catalyst and a bunch of others. Um, and this, that the actually, the last I heard is that Kink still owns the um, or is still using the uh, Armory, but that may have been a mistake. But there's still some places there, but not like it was. No, no. And I mean, I think that's true. And you know, it's funny too. I think, and this is this is pretty an, an innocuous kind of uh reason but when we traveled the first king convention i believe we did together was st louis right i think so okay so chris and i and i again chris and i always say this we we don't know we don't know who we slept with to get this gig because it was just it was <laughs> it was an amazing gig they they just treated us so great and you know everything was you know was on on them and you know, we went twice and we, we, we did classes and met some fantastically wonderful people. And, but the thing about, I found with them the, probably the first time, the second time I was ready for it, but was that the, the, so St. Louis is, uh, I guess, I don't know if that's the Midwest. I don't know how mid that is, but anyway, it's certainly not the coasts that we're used to. Mm -hmm. And, Chris and I, and good-naturedly, we were getting ribbed all the time by them, and good-naturedly, that we were, they couldn't tell when we were being serious or being sarcastic, because Chris <laughs> and I lead with a, with a, a relative sarcasm most times, mm -hmm. and because I, I guess that's just, that's just in our natures, and most people I know do, I mean, because being from the East Coast, and you being, you know, uh, spending most of your time in the West Coast, you're used to that kind of quick repartee of, of sarcasm. Mm -hmm. And they weren't used to that with us. And, and a couple of times they would say, are you guys joking? We can, we don't know what you guys, first of all, you guys are talking <laughs> faster than anybody we know. That's first of all, you're talking way too fast. And second of all, it was, are you, are you joking or are you, are, are you not? They couldn't tell. And mm -hmm. I think, and I, I don't know, but I think that, sensibility where they're where they're they kind of mean what they say and they're very warm and open people um i think that feeds their their kink life i think their kink life is uh there's a lot of it seemed to me there's a lot of families quote unquote in that world in their world mm -hmm. you know if you go on uh, and i'm not telling chris anything he doesn't know but i'm telling our, <laughs> our, un, our un, unknown listeners here if you go on FetLife or you go around a lot of kink conventions, there are people that are that are um, they're together in groups. They're either in the family of this or the mm -hmm. um, you know under the protection of whatever, and and it's a way for groups to you know congregate and and meet like-minded and feel safe when they're playing and go go to conventions. And in in that world in St. Louis especially, I saw a lot of that, a lot of families, and it also could be because maybe the scene isn't that big there too mm -hmm. but i was always i was struck by the fact that the way people acted the, their their sensibilities which was to be very honest very forthright not sarcastic kind mm -hmm. of fed kind of the kink where which was not what they did but how they did it the approach to it mm -hmm. i don't know if you found that oh i definitely did and you know i think it's also interesting that like you mentioned before the you know how a lot of people in that particular area we're into families and such and, and and by the way when we mean families we mean like you know found families where you know groups will get together yeah. and create you know their own families they usually bought you know bdsm or polyamory exactly. but you know one thing i did also notice is and this, this is just kind of like my observation and keep in mind this is just you know my my frame of reference yeah. is that conventions like you know like the one in st louis and other ones you know there 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 is a public scene that goes on between the events but it's not like in other parts of the world so when the conventions come around it's the convention it's right. you know that's 
that's the thing everyone goes to, which is why I think so many people were so wonderful, welcome, and excited for it to happen. Other places, like, oh, let's, I'll pick on San Francisco, uh, because San Francisco has such a regular active BDSM community where there's like, you know, like I said before, there's there's the public, you know, dungeon of the Citadel, there's the Wicked Grounds coffee shop, there's Mr. S and so forth. It's always kind of like, you know, there in the background. So when they do have conventions, they are very much low energy. They're not quite as well attended. Mm. Um, and so there's a little less sense of a kind of a cohesive community. It's, it's, it's kind of like you do your own thing and that's cool. And, you know, I went to a couple of conventions in San Francisco and I was always kind of struck by that because, you know, you go to like St. Louis and it's all everybody's huggies and kisses and, you know, welcome, welcome, yeah. have a good time. And San Francisco, it's, you know, it, it was there, but definitely not that degree. Um, so I think sometimes it's like not having a regular scene kind of is a little, not let's say better, but it just makes that kind of like, you know, familiarity. Oh, I agree. I agree. And we've said that, you know, we were like, these people are really warm here and uh, mm-hmm. this is not, you know, and, and being a little bit jaded as we are, um, it was, it was really welcoming. I mean, it really was one, wonderful. they were wonderful. We could, I couldn't ask for a better time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, let's. Let's just say where we're at at the moment. We're you're at Licking Non Vanilla, uh, this podcast that we Chris and I do uh, as much as we possibly can. We have guests on sometimes, and uh, sometimes it's just Chris and I yammering away like we're doing right now. And uh, we're just talking about. We were talking at the beginning of the hour. We we're talking about publishing, and erotica, and where that gets you, good or bad. <laughs> and and, uh, <laughs> and right now we're 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 just talking about the differences in kinks that we have found. And and like Chris and I were saying, you know, there, there's a there's a difference. Uh, but it's not so much anymore because of the advent of the internet. Now you can go on FetLife or you can go on Collar Me or you can find a munch somewhere and pretty much get your your kink on where years ago you couldn't. You'd have to wait to get a magazine in the mail and mm-hmm. maybe maybe about a kind of fall into a bunch of kinksters if you were lucky, you know. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I remember years ago just trying to find stuff was was a bear, you know, and you. You know, uh, you, you'd you'd find one magazine that leads you to another, you know, and somebody was putting out a zine, and you, you know, it was very very hard to find, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of material on on a kink that you may have nowadays. Everything's out there, and uh, and it's you know wide and 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 wide a wide variety of stuff. More probably more stuff now that we've ever seen, you know. Oh yes, um, you know, absolutely. I mean, I'm. I mean, it's funny. It's like I don't want to date myself, but. You know, I still remember when I was, you know, you know, a young person, you know, how, you know, finding an adult magazine was like some kind of like secret treasure. And, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you yeah. know, it, and, you know, it was it was pretty much like, you know, sex shops were were there, but they're kind of intimidating and scary and, and yeah. creepy. And, um, and of course, that's the only place you could pick up explicit stuff. And. I remember particularly, you know, my favorite source for erotic stuff was actually National Lampoon because you could buy it over the counter and the stuff was pretty outrageous, but it was also something you could find anywhere. And right. I particularly like its its style yeah, a, of doing it. Right. And there was always like there was always some like topless chick in a, in a photo play, you know, and you would like, oh, oh that's exactly cool. right. Yeah. Exactly. And, there was actually a writer named Chris Miller who wrote the the movie uh, Multiplicity of all things, uh, and you know he's actually a teacher. I understand back east somewhere. I've always wanted to write him because. His his stories were outrageous and then some, but they're also very sexy, and that's sort of like where I think of some of my erotica, you know, writing voice comes from is his right. work. But yeah, the National Lampoon in its heyday was a magnificent thing. But yeah, it's like now, of course, I can just you know type in three words on a search engine and get more you know explicit and you know a number of content than I ever would have imagined. And that, yeah, yeah, you know, that's it didn't change. It did. It seems like it changed overnight. And of course, it now did, it's not yeah. just you know. Pictures, it's pictures, stories, videos, games, you know, you name it. There's an erotic thing of everything. Yeah, because it went from, and then even online, I remember, like, the, the the nascent days of, there was, like, chat rooms, and then there was, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think Yahoo had a chat, like, a regular chat area, and then there was, like, a secondary chat, which was the naughtier stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there was news groups, and, you know, there's like, all this stuff where people were finding... And this is just, this is not even porn we're talking about. Well, I'm just talking about people trying to find like interests, mm-hmm. um, sexual interests. I'm not talking about anything like 
pornography went, ran rapid on, on the net. You know, we were talking to Bridget mm-hmm. from Hot Movies about that the other day. And uh, it, you know, that, but, but just for normal people looking for stuff, the minute the internet opened up, people were like, well, we've been searching for this conduit for years. Now we have it. So let's mm-hmm. exploit it. You know, and I can find some guy or girl halfway across the, the country or the ocean who's going to be able, not halfway across the ocean because they still be in the ocean, but halfway across the, the world <laughs> who's, who's you know, who may be able to hook me up with some some scenes or a movie or what. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, with with all this, we know comes some bad stuff. And it always does, you know, some some dark stuff that shouldn't be out there. Oh, yeah. This is this is what happens when you have a, you know, freedom opens up like that. There's always going to be exploitative moments and Mm -hmm. things that are illegal and, you know, things that shouldn't be out there. And and that's where Chris and I. I did. And I could certainly speak for Chris. Chris and I, we, we traipsed very lightly and cautiously because. There's oh, yeah. a, there's a you know because of being sex writers there's there's a lot of great sex positive stuff out there but you can be easily lumped into or accused of being someone else and doing the bad oh, stuff. Oh yes, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the good news kind of about the explosion of erotica we've seen over the last couple of years, it's harder to target individuals, but that doesn't mean you still that still means you still have to be careful because all it takes is one zealot you know, to, to notice you and make your life a living hell. Yeah. Um, and there's still many places in this country where they will subsequently just arrest you on whatever charges they want just because you wrote a certain book or, you know, wrote a certain story. And they'll just, you know, and and we are talking about, like, not just, like, things that should be, you know, called into, called into question, but just general erotica itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's something I think it's, um, that's always important to bring up to people who are, you know, interested in being erotica writers that and it has gotten better. It's, but it's still something to always keep in mind. If you have kids, if you have a sensitive job, if you've got family members who, you know, might be a little overly zealous in their religious, you know, beliefs, you know, that's something you really need to be careful of and be very clear to separate, you know, that your erotica writing from everything else, because if it bleeds over, you're in serious trouble. Um, and you know, there's been judges that take kids away from families because someone's erotic writing. There's been, you know, I mean, the, the, one of the worst cases happened during those, the days that you just mentioned of like, you know, modems and BBSs and such. Uh, there was a famous case where a sheriff somewhere, I think it was like North Carolina or something like that, extradited a couple from California to his state and then charged them with obscenity. Because California's laws on obscenity were pretty, you know, blah. Right. But in his, it was much, you know, much more stringent and more scary. And he actually extradited. He actually had them arrested and brought to his, you know, state so he could prosecute them. And that was just terrifying. Um, but, you know, that thing doesn't happen that much anymore. But it still doesn't mean that there isn't, like, you know, police officers or district attorneys or just, you know, overly zealous, you know, you know, religious people out there who would love to see your life just, you know, be miserable because of just because you write erotica. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of erotica, like Chris was saying about the, before about the, in Asia and here, you know, we, we, we kind of blur the lines a lot here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's fantasy that obviously is fantasy. There's, you know, um, men our age, you know, spanking girls in little schoolgirl skirts. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know, obviously, you know, mo- if you go to the site, the models are all—it's you know—they're all signed at, at, uh, over eighteen, and it's all—it's all legal and above board. But within that fine line, people people can find it. If you're looking for the devil, you're going to find him. You know, mm-hmm. and um, you you can find really bad stuff that's not even in there if you're looking for it. And uh, mm-hmm. because we don't make a delineation between reality and fantasy so often or so stringently maybe in their in our fiction and or our uh visual porn um yeah it, it the, the the line can get blurred where people assume you're you're doing one thing when you're not you know mm-hmm. and someone someone in a, in a movie says the word mommy and then you're in a whole different place you know 
And uh, oh, absolutely. That's yeah. why when like you're particularly, you're excellent at writing age play stories, but you have to always be very clear about what's happening. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I've it. actually, you know, as an editor, not you, but I've actually yeah. rejected um, stories from from writers who did an age play story and didn't put in enough emphasis that these are adults yeah. pretending to be young. And, and because I could, you, if you read the story, it was confusing. I didn't want to really, you know, end up being arrested and, you know, and so forth. So I would just reject the stories and tell them why, but you're always been very excellently clear about that because that's, just really important that these are, you know, when you're talking about age play, it's not using actual young people. Yeah. It is using adults who are pretending to be young people. And that's important, but still a lot of people don't understand that. And I often really think we need to have a better word than age play because it's kind of like you have to always add that caveat at the end because people get confused. Um, but yeah, there's, it's, it's, it can be very, very tricky and very problematic. And there's still a lot of people out there who are really totally misinformed about all kinds of things about sex and erotica and so forth. And they're the ones you got to worry about. Yeah. 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 It's not all you good people out there listening to us. We re mm -hmm. realize you're all normal and sane and happy and healthy. <laughs> just looking for a good time and maybe maybe a one-handed tickle. Um, but as always, uh, that's what we're trying to provide here, right, Chris? Just a, just a, exactly. a little respite exactly. from the day. Um, once again, you've been listening to Licking Non Vanilla with one of your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. The other host <laughs> is uh, that's uh, I'm Christian over there. Hi there. As, you notice know Chris to his friends, but you have to call him I'm Christian. And uh, <laughs> it's been wonderful talking to you, Chris, as always. Uh, can't believe as the always hour, the hour just spun around and by us. And if you get a chance to check to check the um, Dr. Lori's site too, um, she, her podcast, she's doing some good stuff over there. And we're going to, we're going to come back Absolutely. with another show with some guests and stuff. So Chris, it's been great. Thanks so much again. Always, always Robbie. We always have a good time. Don't we? Always, always a delight. Yeah. Well, we are wonderful. What can I tell you? It's tough, it's tough being us, Chris. What can I, that's all I gotta say. But at least we can handle it well, you know. We 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 show the dirt, you know. But uh, okay, so next time we'll see you on Licking on Vanilla. This is Ralph Greco Jr. saying bye bye, and that's M. Christian, otherwise known as Chris, saying farewell. Bye bye. <laughs> and visit us on the web at www dot licking non vanilla dot com <laughs>